This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. Claris FileMaker 19 begins its more frequent release cycle this week as version 19.1 was released. There's a lot of good things in this release, the shorter cycle being one of them. But what we're interested today in talking about is the in-product add-ons. Finally, a Kanban board, a calendar, timer, a photo gallery, and more are part of the Claris FileMaker product. Todd joins me today to talk once more about these add-ons specifically. We share our role in creating these, how we went about this huge task, and the specific features of each of the add-ons. These add-ons are a monumental step forward in how FileMaker developers will design apps from now on. Add-ons will become part of our toolkit when we start a project. Simply grab a calendar from the add-ons panel and then turn on to other tasks. So let's listen in as Todd and I talk about the in-product add-ons. Hey, Todd. Welcome back. Good to talk with you. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Good. It's been it's been a while. Actually, we haven't done a, a podcast together for a while, so we need to get back yeah, to that. It's um, true. I don't know. But it, things are just so busy. You always mm-hmm. think that things are going to calm down, and then they never do. So That's the nature of life. Um, Well, we are here today to talk about the FileMaker, the in-product add-ons. FileMaker 19.1.2 was just released, and the biggest part of that is something they've been previewing for quite some time now, actually, since May, I think, since even, you know, when FileMaker 19 came out, is the Mm add-ons. Um, and, uh, we were, you know, I'll just get right to it. We were really fortunate to be able to work with Claris in creating these. And so I think our discussion today is going to be behind the scenes and very technical in nature about the add-ons that we built that are in the, in the FileMaker product today. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm sure, you know, we'll probably veer into discussions about other add-ons and I do want to ask about, you know, what do you see as the future of the Mm -hmm. add-ons in the community, but let's just talk about these so Todd let's just start with at the very beginning how did we get involved in working with add-ons with Claris to build these add-ons uh well so so Claris had reached out to us to to help them kind of push the stuff over the line uh probably primarily because we were one of the people that had been doing uh, doing this kind of stuff for a long time um, we had, uh, we had been shipping, uh, web viewer based products for almost a decade at this time, maybe eight, eight, eight years or so. And we had done some early work, uh, in making this stuff work, even as far back as FileMaker 8.5, where we showed some of what you could use the web viewer for back when it first shipped. So this is something that has been very interesting to me since all the way back then. So more than 10 years. So going back, you know. 10, almost 15 years, probably we've been, we've been working on, on this kind of stuff. Uh, and so we had developed, uh, let's see, really. So the big roadblocks were really internet Explorer on windows was just a really big problem in the early days. In fact, one of the ways we used to deal with that is we would actually Chrome came out with this, um, this extension for internet Explorer that turned internet Explorer into Chrome. And that was, that was how we got around a lot of the limitations in the very early days with doing this kind of stuff. Is that thing not available anymore? I've never heard of that. Yeah, no, it was once, uh, this is back when Internet Explorer six and seven were still around. They were really, 
they were really bad. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was a real problem for the whole, for the whole world really. And so Google kind of forced Microsoft to get on the bandwagon by right. basically just, you know, sort of hacking internet Explorer and turning it into Chrome. So that kind of got them to, to move on this stuff. But the, the impact on us was that it made it very hard to do until Microsoft finally came around and got something close, which is Internet Explorer 11, 10 and 11 um, were, were, were pretty good. And that's kind of where we are today. So back when things kind of stabilized there about three or f- three years ago or so, maybe a little longer, um, we came up with this framework, which we called FM Web Viewer Bridge which was just kind of a, a wrapper around all of the best techniques for communicating in and out of a web viewer that existed for FileMaker. So we went and got blog posts from Beeswax and from other people and that, and also Jason Young at Seed Code had done some stuff where they had talked about some of the things that they did and then coupled with all of the things that we did to make all, make all this stuff work. And we created this library called FM Web Viewer Bridge which um, we then gave to Claris and said, this is what we think you need to do. Mm-hmm. And so when they got around to doing that, we were sort of the obvious choice to get to, to be the company to help do that. And we were already working on a project with iSolutions around templates and, um, and with Claris. So it just sort of was, was very obvious that, that we would be the one to, to, to do that work. Um, so yeah, so that was it. It was a kind of a long process for, for us and for me in particular to, kind of get it to get it to the point where we did. So it was really exciting when we kicked that project off, which was basically a year ago now we, we, we kicked wow. that project off. And so the moral of that story is you solve a big problem in, in FileMaker, you bring it to the engineers and eventually they'll, they'll adopt your idea. Is that what you're saying? That <laughs> well, what you're I think, <laughs> I think if there is a moral there, it's um, it's like we, I mean, I probably did spend a lot of time complaining about it, but at the end of the day, we actually came up with a with a with with working software that demonstrated how it would work. Yep. And I think that's always a better way if you want to influence any project that you're interested in, open source or otherwise. If you present something that is more than just you know a complaint, but like you know here here's how it could work, or maybe even working software that mimics or does what what you're suggesting. That's definitely helpful. And so mm-hmm. that's what we did. And I think that eventually is what opened up the opportunity. So we'll get into the the nitty gritty, but I, I meant to ask you, how do you, how are you feeling now that these add-ons, the things that you and I built and that Barbara mm-hmm. tested, how are you feeling that they're now out in, in the open and ready for everybody to use? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly pretty exciting, right? Cause this is, I mean, Geis Interactive has customers in all around the world and in over 50 countries, but now our, our some of our work is going to be seen by uh, by by everybody. Now they may not know that necessarily that it's Geist Interactive because it doesn't say Geist Interactive anywhere on those add-ons. But still, it was um, you know our work is now going to be used by every FileMaker customer who downloads the new stuff. Um, so that's pretty exciting, and uh, yeah, I'm super excited to have that kind of that kind of impact. Yeah, because it. In in blog posts that I've written about JavaScript, I talk about how it's more power to the problem solvers. And these add-ons are even more of that, right? Because as we have said over and over, they're, the, the add-ons are full, p- complete packages that you can install. Mm-hmm. You do a quick setup, 
to point to your data and maybe change the color of a button or something. Yeah. And you're good to go. Right. Yeah. So yeah. for me, that's extremely gratifying that yeah. that that we were able to contribute to something that is going to give a lot more power to the problem solvers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, we finally have calendar, a good Kanban board. We've got, you know, and this is, again, we're really just at the beginning of this whole, this whole revolution. This is just kind of like seeding the, you know, the whole, the whole market. There's going to be tons of stuff coming from all kinds of, all kinds yeah. of different sources, you know, other vendors, Claris, I, I will be doing more of this. So this was really just like, just getting it started. Mm -hmm. um, we're really just at the beginning. This is not the end. This is the beginning. Uh, and you just really have to come to grips with the fact that we're in a, we are in a very fast changing world. There's not really like, let's learn this thing and we'll be able to just lean on that learning for 10 years. That's, that's not what the kind of industry we're in. So this is going to change, continue to change and continue to improve at a very, very rapid clip. Yeah. And even, even without them actually being out, but all the preview work that, that Claris has done and we've done, uh, people are excited about them. I hear yep. them being talked about on other podcasts yep. and in other, in blog posts. So it's, it's really good. Uh, it's, it's, it's satisfying. I must say as a person who did work on a few of these, I'm a little, I'm excited, but I'm also, I always get a little nervous about that, <laughs> you know, just because yeah. the code that I wrote is out there now yep. Yep. <laughs> for better or for worse. Yep. <laughs> Luckily, Claris people uh, took a look and did some QA work and some changes. Yeah. Um, Robert told me that uh, just back and forth that all of his engineers are having to learn JavaScript now because of yep. these add-ons. Yep. So <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by LedgerLink. As companies continue to digitally transform their work environments using FileMaker and a host of online resources, it is important to implement solutions that keep data synced up. LedgerLink is our tool to sync your invoice, customer, product, sales data hosted in QuickBooks Online with the data in your FileMaker system. LedgerLink is a connector between your FileMaker custom app and your QuickBooks Online account. In three easy steps, you can connect and sync all data in both systems, whether you want to push from FileMaker to QBO or the other way around. There's very little work for you to do to get set up. LedgerLink handles it all for you. LedgerLink is pure FileMaker, so you can get in there and extend the system and customize. You can use the LedgerLink file as your accounting file, or you can use it as an intermediary between your custom app and QBO. It's just FileMaker tables, scripts, layouts, and you know how to work with those. The Intuit Developer API is exposed and ready for you to add or modify to fully interact with your system. Let users of your system see QBO data without access to QuickBooks Online. Eliminate entry in two different systems with LedgerLink. Download the 14-day trial and see how fast it is to sync QBO data with data in your custom app. LedgerLink, the FileMaker QuickBooks Online Connector. Um, all right, so let's get, let's just talk about these add-ons in general. We built. Um, I, I, I want to get to the nitty gritty of how we went about building these, yeah. um, because you said you started a year ago. I don't remember actually for me starting until like December or January, because yeah. you you did a real deep dive with Chris and with people at Claris about what 
what kind of add-ons you wanted and what the requirements yeah. were. Can you, can you talk a little bit about all that? Um, I mean, I think, yeah. So we worked with them, with their PMs and we talked about what we wanted to ship and, uh, and also what the requirements were. Um, and we spent some time trying to nail that down. It changed a, a lot, um, <laughs> as these projects do, but you know, we did have some, we did, we did have some requirements that are, uh, I don't want to say extreme, but the, the thing about shipping something inside of, inside of the FileMaker app itself is that there are a lot of concerns that normally as a developer, you just don't encounter. And they're just things that are just aren't, aren't commonly on your plate. Uh, so things like internationalization, how can we make this possible to ship in other languages? Um, there's all kinds of things that come in there, not just the language of the text on the screen, but also things like, like, uh, like how dates work and, and the different, in the different yeah. language settings for, for FileMaker. Um, also they had some requirements around how these add-ons needed to behave. Like in terms of I, the term I came up with is they have to be self-booting. So there's no, there's no running a script to like, to kick off an add-on. The add-on has to be has to boot itself from basically just being on a layout, um, and it also then it also needed a configurator. We needed a user interface to configure how the add-ons integrated in with the rest of the the application. Um, and you know the configurator one is definitely cool and it, it's really nice, and, and it plays into the internationalization thing and all of that kind of stuff. But it's also, you know, it's it, it's it, it's a lot of extra work to get a configurator in place. Um, and if you're if you're doing add-ons, uh, you don't necessarily need a configurator. You could use, you know, just uh, calculations or script steps to configure an add-on. So there's a lot that went into that. That you know, when you're building an add-on, say just for your team, e even for the marketplace. Whether or not you need all those things is really going to be up to you and a decision you, you're going to have to make, but, you know, based on just how much effort's required and, and all that kind of stuff. But we had to do all those things. And so there was a lot, there was a lot that we had to do um, and a lot that we had to sort of make sure was consistent across all of the add-ons in terms of how they worked, in terms of the configurators, in terms of internationalization, in terms of all that stuff. So what we decided to do was create a framework that would sort of put like a basically a template that would have all of those those concerns kind of baked in and then we were just having to customize for each add-on we just had to make the changes for the for the add-on uh, and so that was the methodology that that we came up with for doing that yeah describe that framework for us can you yeah can you so that? um so we chose to use react to build the add-ons and part of that is is because that's what we use internally. That's our front end framework. We've been using it for a number of years now. Uh, there are other frameworks that you could have we, we, that are certainly viable. I think the the question that comes up for a lot of new people looking at this, or people who are maybe new to JavaScript, FileMaker developers, FileMaker developers that are new to JavaScript, is why do you, why do you need a framework at all? You know, why do you need to use React or say Vue or any of these guys? Um, and you don't necessarily need to use a framework, but you're going to need to use a bundler and a transpiler. I mean, this is going to end up being something you're just going to have to do primarily because on windows, we still have internet Explorer and that's really the challenge there. And there's still, it's much better than it, than it was. And with the new stuff we get in 19, it's, it's certainly doable, but internet Explorer is really no longer a supported browser really anywhere. Except FileMaker. Except in FileMaker currently. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, there's still, there are still places where you'll find it, but it's very, very, uh, it's very, very low on the list. And it's certainly in the, in the last stages of its life. And the, the problem with it is that it, it doesn't have modern JavaScript in the engine. So it's really not ESM or, um, ECMAScript, uh, modern, anything like that. So it's missing a bunch of features and, if you're out there looking on the web on you know JavaScript courses and looking at how to write JavaScript, you're going to see modern JavaScript most of the time. I mean, you know, it used to be that people would say, "Oh, you know, if you need if you need Internet Explorer, you're going to have to do this or that." But now people just assume that you're going to be using one of these transpilers or one of these one of these frameworks that's going to take care of this problem. And what it does is it takes modern JavaScript, so the JavaScript that you would write today for modern browsers. And it bundles it and transpiles it into code that can run an Internet Explorer. You're going to need to do some kind of transpilation and some kind of of bundling to to develop the, these add-ons. Now you could do it with something like like vanilla JavaScript and Parcel, maybe, uh, which is another bundler. But we're already very familiar with React. That's how we write our applications, and there's lots of libraries and resources available for for React. So that was the route that that, that we chose for the framework. So yeah. So the framework, the framework is a is a bunch of code. It's just it's a, it's literally a framework that yeah. helps with the compiling. Uh -huh. So as a developer, as as one who worked on an add-on, I don't have to worry about any of that. Right. Um, so we built on top of Create React App, which is there are a few of these, but it's the most popular starting framework for React, and it's what's going to do all of the bundling and transpilation for you. Um, so we, and it also has a templating system, so it allows you to, uh, a kit, if you will, or, um, basically a template on top of it, which you can then install very, very easily with just a single line in your terminal. You can download, uh, all of the react stuff, all the create react app stuff, and also the stuff for our template, including the FileMaker file, which has all of the. Mm -hmm. The pieces of the FileMaker on the on the FileMaker file side, all the scripts that you need to that you might need for a given add-on, um, all of the core pieces of the FileMaker side of that framework are also installed by that Create React app based based framework, and so that made it very easy. It makes it very easy for us to start up a new add-on just mm -hmm. you know, just a few seconds. We literally have something that's ready to go. I mean, literally, you could you could compile it and deploy it um, into your into your add-on um, in just a few minutes. So that was that was step one, is just getting something where we could do that uh, and make sure that all of our add-ons um, were built on that same framework. I have two things to say about that. Number one, the frame, well, I have three things. <laughs> the framework helped me as a budding React developer to really understand, just see, I could look at your sample file. I could look at your calendar that you had built with it in exploration, in exploring the framework and refining the framework. But I could look at that and I could apply what you had done to the work, the work that I had done. So I didn't, I wasn't coming from any, like you didn't just throw me in and say, go build this. You had a whole way for me to look. And like you said, the consistency was important between yeah. the two of us and between all of the add-ons. The second thing, when I first started this project, I had to copy down the uh, command line code because it was really long. It was like React, I don't know, create React, FMW template, something, something, something. 
by the end of the project, I had it all memorized. So I didn't have to copy it from my notepad anymore Mm -hmm. uh, because I had done it so many times. And even now, even today, I still use it to create my own Mm -hmm. add-ons, things that might eventually be an add-on. Like, you know, we're working on GoSign 4 right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I used our template for that very thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is is our template overkill for add-ons or is it perfectly balanced for add-ons in in FileMaker? Well, I think I think it depends on what your target is, right? You always have to and what's the name of our of our podcast? It's the context, right? So, is I mean, it's kind of you're asking the same question is one tool good for all situations and the answer is no. Um, you know, there's, there's always, there's, there's always some amount of evaluation that you want to put in before you're jumping down some channel. If you're not a, if if you're not a react developer, it's not going to help you very much. You're going to have a, you're going to have a difficult time if you don't know react. Um, so if you want to make add-ons and let's say you, you know, you don't want to use any of the front end frameworks, then it's going to be, it's going to be pretty challenging to, to use that framework. It might, you might still get some tips from it. Um, there's some, we also did pull out some code that we thought was useful for any JavaScript add-on as a separate uh, library that you can, that you can install from, from, from NPM that has things like, like how we do promise-based fetching from FileMaker. And yeah. so we did do that to make it easier for folks who didn't want to use React essentially. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, like, the one that to me is the one that to me is super challenging is let's say you wanted to do a really good data visualization library, uh, you know, add on something that was really good charting. I don't know how you're going to do a configurator for charts. Like that's like a whole application just to do the configuration, right? Like most of the work of building a add on a charting add on with a configurator, the vast majority of the work is going to be the configuration UI. And so, and, and the, and the UI that we came up with for our configurator probably doesn't help you a lot. It's just going to be a total, totally different, uh, you know, ball game there. But if you are, um, if you're, if you're into react and you want to make an add on, then yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great way to go because you're going to be up and running and you're going to have an add on done in, in 20 minutes. Now you'll have to add your features and do all that stuff, but you'll have a functioning add-on inside of 20 minutes and one that has a configurator and has um, the core stuff in there for internationalization and, and all those kinds of things. So okay. yeah, in that case, it's definitely the way to go. Um, I, I suspect that over time, people will create other templates or other libraries based on other frameworks if they want to use Vue or Angular or something like that, then you know they're, they can build another framework that would be better for that situation. But the frame, okay, so let's just review the framework that we have. It's a, it's a React framework mm-hmm. that you mentioned has the FileMaker file mm-hmm. that is the starter file, mm-hmm. which contains all of the scripts that we need. Um, we don't need to get into details about those. But it, the framework also contains a lot of JavaScript functionality. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the promise, uh, mm-hmm. the fetching, right? Yeah, so you that's wrote not part of the framework. That's just the dependency. Oh, okay, it's, it's part of the dependency. separately. You don't need to install the framework to get that. Okay. It's an NPM but it can, package called FMW-Utils. You can download it from NPM today. Works fine. Yeah. Okay. So so really, it, it is complete. Um, it just takes some time. You, it, is, is our framework available for people to yeah. download? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, be sure and put that out there. And, you know, it might be fun to put together a video about how 
to I build. I think I have a video out. somewhere. We can include it. I'm sure I have a video of, of it working um, somewhere that we that we can include a link to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like how, like what the experience is of, of doing it. I think I did a, I think I did a 15 minute video when we first announced it and released it. It just shows, you know, here's basically, here's how you get it running. Type a few commands in your, in your terminal and you've got the whole thing up and up and running. And now you can start adding your features and now you can build it for production. All that stuff is there. So, so based on the requirements that you gathered from your meetings with Claris, you mm-hmm. went and built this framework, mm-hmm. you built the sample f- file. You, I think you started with calendar first. It was kind of yeah. your test, right? Yeah. We have, I abstracted the framework out of the work I did on the calendar. Okay. So how many, <laughs> how many versions of the framework did we go through in our time? I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> have Hundreds. Of I, I have to go look <laughs> at the commit history. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I do remember it changing. We kept adding, you know, functionality to it, right? Or revising it, right? Yeah. And I mean, that that's, just happens. That's what happens again. Yeah. There's no there's no done in our world. The term should maybe when you retire, you can say you're done, but there's no done here. So it's constantly refining, constantly changing things. And that's part of the what, you know, um, all of the tooling we get with the sort of modern JavaScript frameworks and things like GitHub and and VS Code and things like that. They make it possible to deal with change mm-hmm. at a very high rate, which is pretty important. Yeah. So yeah, lots of changes. Um, it really, frankly, I need to go and go back and do a number of refinements now based on what I've learned since. There's definitely some more, some more things we could do there to make it easier and make the abstractions better. Um, and hopefully I'll get a chance to do that. So we're, you know, the, the, the in-product add-ons are there and there's like yeah. six of them. I don't know if you know any plans, but will, will they be adding more add-ons? Will Claris themselves be putting more add-ons in the future or is it now sort of up to the community? You know, I, I don't know. I expect that they will be adding. I, I wouldn't, it, let's put it this way. It wouldn't surprise me if they added some of their own. I, I really don't know. We haven't discussed it in any, in any way. So um, but definitely the plan is for the community to to really add a lot of value here. And that's why, you know, this is a big deal. I mean, forget the technology, all of the the technology pieces, put it aside for the moment. The the fact that there's a that there are two links to the marketplace from the product itself now. Uh, to me, that's that's just a massive, massive change in 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 how and uh, in, in, in how the marketplace is perceived and how it might be found. Like we're definitely already finding people who have clearly n- not known that there was even a marketplace, not known that there were companies that made add-ons for, for Claris FileMaker. Like just never, they just, they weren't, you know, they had, they had FileMaker, they've been using it for years in many cases, but you know, just never really connected to the community, never Got any newsletters that talked about any of this stuff? Didn't come, didn't go to dev cons, didn't go to user groups. You know, they're just out there using the product. In fact, that's probably the vast majority of FileMaker users are in that camp. They're just not unaware of, of this stuff. Um, and so we're definitely come across folks who are like, oh, wow, there's like, they come, you know, we get tech support questions and things that people asking about our products, like just sort of for the first time discovering that there is a marketplace and that you can, you can actually do this stuff. And so that to me is, is just as exciting as everything else, maybe more so because it, it, it means that uh, all of the people who will be building add-ons now have a much larger audience that they can tap into 
Whereas before we really kind of, you had to know, you already had to know that there was, that there was a marketplace and there was a community and that you could go and find it and you could go find things there. Um, you had to know that. And if you didn't know it, you, you weren't going to discover it on your own probably. And now you might, you just be downloading, you mess around with the product and you're looking at, at the menu is like, oh, what's this marketplace thing? Or when you do create new, it's like, oh, there's this big marketplace thing here. I mean, that never happened before. So to me, that's just a, a massive thing. And I'm looking forward to the day where we can, where the installation process is even more seamless, where it's going to be, you discover them uh, from within the product and you can just install them immediately. Um, that again, will change the game. So that is very exciting. Um, and certainly, certainly thrilled to see that happen. Um, and look forward to look forward to more of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the community um, will definitely be adding things. And there's going to be this process of people figuring out how to do this. And they'll be, you know, we, we, we as engineers, we, we like to think that there's a way that you can sort of, you know, plan out exactly how things are going to work and that, um, you know, uh, you're going to come up with the perfect way to do something and it's going to work that way. That's actually not how it works in real life. Nothing in, in real life works that way. There's, it's a community. It's an organic process. And you have to think about it in those terms. You have to seed it. You have to water it. You have to you know, do all the things to kind of maintain it. And then you just have to help it grow. And, and sometimes things will, things will happen that will um, not be, uh, you know, like there'll be products that make a big splash right away, but then don't for whatever reason, don't stick. I mean, that all that kind of churn that happens in a marketplace, like, like any other marketplace is going to happen now. Um, and we're going to, we're going to see some products come out of nowhere and just be these amazing things that nobody ever thought of and just take over big, big segments of the, of a, of a new product niche. And that'll be great. Other products that were big before might never make the transition to a marketplace. And these are the kinds of shifts that we're going to see. And it's going to, it's really going to start really now. And, you know, over the next few years, a lot of this stuff will just shake itself out. So uh, Todd, there's, there's been a lot of talk of low code versus no code. And I believe in one of our podcasts, you mentioned that add-ons should be as low code to no code as possible. Those are going to be the ones that stand out. Um, Well, yeah, I, I think they'll have the best chance of reaching the largest audience because you will, you know, you'll find when you find people that are, that are new to the platform, they don't, they don't, they're just like making layouts. Um, they're not, they're not really deep into calculations and scripts yet. And I know for lots of people who, who are listening, this may come as a surprise, but there are people who use FileMaker for years that never write a script. Um, and I know it don't, you know, it's, it's very easy to kind of say, well, they're not really using the product, but in fact, they're using the product and they're getting benefit from it. And they're just, they're just using, you know, relationships and layouts and maybe some calc fields and they're getting things done. Right. And that's actually a large number of people. It's just not the people that you, that we bumped into much in the past, but you know, as a product company, we do see those folks from time to time uh, just, they're like, you know, they want to use barcode creator, for example. And they just like, well, how do I do this without a script? I've never written a script before. I mean, that those, this is real. We shouldn't, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not denigrate, but we shouldn't look down at, on these, on these folks. They're using the product and they're getting value out of it. And they're for maybe they're new and they're just that they're that's the step that's the stage they're in or maybe they're very comfortable with what they're doing and they just need a you know they just need a new barcode thing or they need a new calendar um they don't necessarily 
want to learn scripting. So we should support those folks. Uh, and I should say, we shouldn't just support them out of the goodness of our hearts. We should support them. If you've got a commercial add-on, you should support them because it's going to make you more money. <laughs> That's the reason to do it. So, so talk to us about, I know you've mentioned some of the features already of these and the requirements, but specifically point out for me the parts of these add-ons that make it as low code or no code as possible. So that so, yeah, so, so we talked about it in terms of requirements, but the way um, another to kind of close a loop on that, the two biggest ones I would say is is uh, self booting. That's what I call it. That's a that's what my technical term that I invented for this, which is just an add on that fires up without requiring a script to run. Right. So it it just um, you put it on the layout and it just does its thing. Um, and because again, somebody might not be, they might not know how to run a script. And so how are you going to get a, an add on to, to do that? Um, if, if it's, if, if you got to run a script, then, and add ons can't install script triggers yet. So there's no way to like have an on layout load, um, script trigger on layout, enter script trigger, fire an add on. You just, you just can't do that. So, um, self booting is important. You drag it onto the layout and it just works mm-hmm. in some form or another. Um, now there are other ways you can do things that are that are that do that that may not be quote unquote self booting, and those would still be low code. Like I might take the example of Seed Code's Dayback calendar. When you install Dayback, there's nothing to drag on. Everything is in place, and and um, and you just get to go over and and then configure it. Uh, you, you can use their configurator to configure the calendar. Um, and so that's the second step, which is really the configuration, which walks somebody through setting up whatever the add-on is. So in case of the calendar, for example, on a, in the calendar that that um, that we install, you drag it onto the layout and immediately boots up with sample data. And then there's a configurator button. You click that configurator. You bring up the, 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 the UI that lets you choose a different table for the source of the events in your calendar and pick which fields go for the key fields because the calendar needs to have a start date and end date, start time, end time. Is it an all day event? Is it, um, uh, you know, what, what's the style of that event? What's the, you know, what basically we use style, with color. Um, so all of those things are going to be tied to specific fields. So you need to have a, need to have a GUI, a user interface that lets somebody choose how to get that thing up and tied to their own table again, without writing scripts, because they may not be at the stage where they're writing scripts. So that's the low code kind of approach to it. And I think low code is really good at, especially at the beginning of somebody's journey. And maybe as long as they want to, you know, for as long as they can find value in that, that could be fine. Um, So that's why I think low code is important for the marketplace. Uh, It'll help the, it'll help your product, your add-on spread faster. It'll make the the whole platform more valuable out of the out of the box because all these things just basically work without you having to go and learn how to write a script. The other part of the low code for these add-ons is the which I love. I think I love this feature is the filtering mechanism that was built that we built in there, where by default all of the add-ons are going to pull if they are um, like a, a found set based add-on they're going to pull all of the records from a table um, from the events table or from the tasks table. Mm -hmm. 
But what we built without having to write a script or update yeah. the script is a way to, to filter the, 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 the found set of records. Right. So, and, you know, it may be that you want to do something more than just target some tables and fields, you may, or, you know, um, change some Not all of the records. Yeah. Yeah. You, you may want to do, you may want to do some other things. So one of the other things you might want to do is, is the filtering. Um, and so we built a, we built some simple filtering into the configurator. Um, and you know, there may be, you, you um, you, there may be other things that you want to do. Like the, the one that we didn't, that I just talked about was like, how are you going to configure a chart? Right. <laughs> um, and that gets really like, wow, I don't even know. Like you're going to build a whole application to, to do that kind of configuration. But so um, we needed to do filtering. Uh, that was important for, uh, for how some of the add-ons needed to work. So we had to come up with a way to basically mimic fine mode to some degree in, in the configurator. There were lots of ideas about how to do filtering. You know, some of this came down to how we chose to do the data gathering um, and the data gathering using the, uh, the method we came up with or the method that was landed on was the execute FileMaker data API script uh, step. There were others, there were other things in the running and, uh, but this was the one that, that, that came to the top because of a lot of different reasons it was gonna be easier to do. It provided a lot of really good benefits um, and it matched with how people already are thinking about web development with FileMaker. So there were just a lot of good reasons to do that. Uh, but, but, but you could imagine that another way you might do filtering is um, you might run a script and then at the end of that script, construct your JSON object from basically looping through the records or however you wanted to do it. Uh, that could be another way to do a filter, uh, but then you'd have to have a script be doing that. And so we wanted to avoid that. So that's why we came up with the filter that we did. But um, you could certainly pick a script as a as a configurator option, that would be something you could do. So that's a possibility. But our configurator basically just says, you know, you're picking a few fields and you're going to say, um, you know, basically find all the records in this table that match some very simple criteria, um, kind of a simple find kind of thing. Yeah, like, you know, if a person logs in and is on the Kanban board, they can just see their tasks or, you know, you could you could have two Kanban boards on the same layout yep. in our construction. One shows just my tasks for across all of my projects and the other one shows everybody's tasks or just one project at a time. Right. So or I could build in a, a, a drop down that switches between those in the yep. exact same add-on. So yep. that filtering is simple, but it's got a lot of power actually already. And we're, you know, we have some blog posts out and we'll be coming out on how to manipulate the, the filtering if they, if yep. someone wants to, but right, right out, for, out of the box, these are uh, the filtering is pretty powerful. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the other things that, it's probably a good point to time to, to mention this. So when we were building the framework and we were building, kind of figuring out how to do all this stuff, we were very clear that the low code approach was the, was the primary target, but we also wanted to make it possible for folks to uh, either advanced developers or people learning to be able to get in and start to start to um, maybe do things that were more complex. You could do it inside of, inside a script editor. So once you were, you know, proficient in scripting or one, if you're already an advanced developer, you can actually go look at the filter at how the filter is done and you can expand it. You can write, you can add your own logic to those scripts 
and they will, uh, and it will, it will work as well. So you kind of, you know, you've got the low code configurator, but the ability to override it with, with any sort of advanced filemaker scripting techniques that, that you want to do. Yeah. That's, you could go in there and limit any non full access user to see only their records inside the script and then allow them you know, a, a, another way to filter it on the surface, but right. always keeping that record access uh, filter in place. Yep. So yep. that, you know, the, you know, we, we've talked about the execute uh, FileMaker data API script step, but this really became an integral part to these add-ons, didn't uh-huh. it? It, yeah. did. it does. It does a couple of things that are important. One, it makes it really easy to gather data as JSON, which is super important. And um, I, there's still occasionally I run into people who still haven't adopted JSON as their method of doing sort of data collection in variables or passing data around. And I, I just really can't emphasize this enough. Um, JSON really truly is kind of the, the magic unlock here that unlocks a lot of things for you. If you can, if you can get in, if you can get over that, over that hump and learn it, it's not that hard. Um, it's, it's, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so powerful is that once you get it, it's sort of very obvious how it works and there's not really a lot of confusion about it. Uh, and it's also used everywhere. So it's a skill that you're going to need if you're going to be building any kind of interesting application going, going forward, you're going to touch JSON. The execute file data API script step gathers the data um, from a table uh, as JSON, which is super, super nice. Um, it also lets you get metadata about the, application uh, and the environment that the add-on is in. So metadata is data about data. So you can get things like that you might normally get with design functions, let's say, or some of the get functions. Um, You know, you can get uh, all the fields in a table. You can get all the fields. Uh, And by the way, you you can't get all of the, uh, it's very hard to get data like what's the base table of a layout unless you're on the layout. You can't get it like no without this script step. There's no way to get the base table of a layout unless you're on the layout. So this gives you a contextless way of interrogating the database to find out things like, "Hey, I want this add-on to use this layout," and now that add-on, because you've chosen a layout, now it also can tell what the base table is without having to go to that layout. It can tell. So that that's very powerful. And there's a number of things that can only be done with the, uh, there's a number of metadata pieces you can only get with that script step. They're not available in any other way. So definitely worth looking into for those, for, for, for those reasons. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's part of it. But again, no people who use these add-ons, they don't need to worry about understanding that script step because it's just there and it's just, no, if you're using them, it's, this is about people who, who want to build add-ons. And I think, you know, that's the other thing just to say briefly is that what having these add-ons is doing is it's creating, uh, I don't want to say tiers, but different types of uh, developers almost. You've got consumers of add-ons and you've got developers of Mm add-ons. And the consumers don't need to know anything about how to develop an add-on to use an add-on. Right now, without the add-ons, it's pretty challenging to do that, to create some custom code like, like a calendar, let's say, and then give it to somebody and say, okay, put this in your system. And then you have to tell them, oh, by the way, you have to know something about scripts. You have to know how to paste layouts. You got all these things that are, you know, actually somewhat advanced developer concepts. 
you just you just don't need to know them to be able to use an add-on. And so that's super important. So consuming add-ons becomes something you can do on day one. And then later on, if you want to go down that road, you can learn how to build add-ons. That's something you can learn later as you become a more advanced developer. Uh, let's see, what else makes these? Um, uh, there was another, oh, I mentioned the multiple instances of the add-ons, but that's a pretty cool feature. Um, describe how that came about. How does that work? Oh, yeah. So um, so these are some, there's some implementation details here that kind of, I mean, I think the thing to know first is that the intent is that you will be able to use, at least where it makes sense, uh, more than one instance of, of a given add-on on a given layout or more than one add-on of a different type. So, you know, you should be able to use a calendar and a Kanban board together on the same layout if you want. You should be able to use um, two Kanban boards. You should be able to use two charts, right? You should be able to do this, do this kind of stuff. So that is the intent of how, if it makes sense to do so. There may be add-ons where it doesn't make sense. Like there's just no reason to have two instances of, I don't know, I'm sure there's a, there's a reason, but, but for most things, you know, you might want to be able to do that. And so the add-ons are intended to support that kind of, that kind of functionality. Now, the way that that's implemented is, um, you know, we'll get into the, into the developer side now is, um, is it's, it's gets a little, uh, what's the word? It's like you're making sausage now. And so you can see some of these things that are in place now that, like I said, we're changing, things are moving, things are not going to stay like this, but the way they are right now is we get this UUID that, um, is generated when you drag out an instance of an add-on, you drag it onto the layout and drop it. Um, the, that UUID, the same UUID can be, can be inserted into various places on, um, in that code that got dropped. So button parameters, um, layout, uh, layout calculations, web viewer calculations, they can all get the same UUID, um, inserted into, into that code. And so you can think about it like it's a merge, like you're doing, you know, uh, there's a merge token in there. And and you're going to insert the you're going to insert the UUID instead. It's going to merge over it. So if you want, if you have a button that's associated with a with a specific add-on, you want to make sure that when you drag that onto the layout, that you do it twice. That each button, you know, there's two buttons. Like in the calendar, we have the you know forward and backward navigation. You want to be able to make sure that when you drag the first calendar out, those buttons are tied to that calendar. And if you drag a second calendar out. You want those buttons on the second calendar be tied to the second calendar. So the way you do that in some way is to put the UUID in the button script parameter so that you, you know that when this button's clicked, it's got this UUID and now it can find the other calendar and it can do all that stuff. That gets a little complicated to explain in a podcast, but that's basically how it, how it works under the hood. It, it's, Have you listened to our podcast? We get complex in our podcast. <laughs> this one really, I think you just need to play with it. You need to look at it and understand um, like what the implications are. But once you have this UUID, you can go and look for it on the layout. You can, you can, you can use it to do lookups and tables like we're doing and things like that. Um, so we're storing configurations, basically uh, configurations based on that UUID in a, in a field, in a FileMaker lay, in a FileMaker table. And we're using that UUID to look up the configuration for that given calendar. Uh, and that, that's how it's done. So that's how there's, there's lots of different ways that you could use that 
that technique. The core thing to know is that when you drag that out onto the layout, a given tag, which we have documented on our website, will be substituted with this UUID. And that gives you um, what you need to bind this together. I expect that in the future, that UUID will disappear and mm. um, the configuration will disappear into, into the file somewhere so that we don't have to be confronted with that. We'll just, you know, the layout, the, the add-on itself will be able to keep track of all its parts and all mm. its configuration. We won't have to expose it the way we're doing right now. But for now, that's how it is. And again, yep. we're going to have a blog post about it um, so that people can read more about mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. that works, show examples. I actually do have <laughs> an example of two timers on the same layout, which doesn't yeah. really make sense, but it, it does prove the point. So yep. <laughs> that's the, yep. that was the point. <laughs> so um, I, I'm just I'm really interested in just like the behind the scenes, and I know our people who listen to it are as yeah. well, but. Sure. Talk to me about how how the the how modular are these add-ons? How indirect are these add-ons? How free of uh, contact? Yeah. So I think the I think the thing where we are right now, and again, this will change as Claris continues to improve on this. But right now, add-ons can be installed and deleted really, really easily. So that's actually super nice that you can try out an add-on and decide it doesn't work, and immediately throw it out. And know that you didn't. You didn't break anything. You didn't like get your code all screwed up and confused by pasting in these things and going to fish it out because add-ons do uninstall everything in them. Now you do have the option to say don't uninstall, right? And that's kind of like you're basically ejecting. You're basically saying, I put this add-on in this calendar in and now I'm going to uninstall it, but leave all the code behind. So now that code is, is all is now no longer connected into a bundle that it can, it, that, 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 FileMaker can identify. Um, everything should still work, but you won't be able to manage it in the same way. Um, so, and then in terms of modularity, so again, this is this gets back to how you design things. Now at Geist Interactive, we've been designing things modularly for years, and it's sort of second nature to us now about how you write your code in such a way that it's not so tangled up. And some of this is is based on just a few very simple conventions that we have. We have very few of them on purpose. We don't have a lot, but we have a few that are that we try to up, uphold very, very, very strictly. And one of them is this concept of public versus private. So these are things that are intended to be called from outside of an add-on, let's say. And these are things, and then there are things that are intended to not be called from outside of of this add-on. And if you can start to think about writing your code in that way, like scripts, for example inside of public folders and private folders, then that makes your code more modular. When you, if you need to delete, and so right now the, the way you update an add-on is um, it's, uh, now we'll be able to write some updaters that do some amount of updating. Like in lo as long as it's the JavaScript code, we can definitely update that JavaScript code. But if you want to update scripts that are in that, that are part of the add-on um, delivery, you really can't do that currently in any in any uh, automatic way. So one thing might be to delete the entire add-on and then reinstall it. And for many things, this is probably going to be relatively easy to do, and especially if you design it well. So you might do something like if you've got scripts that are that you're calling into um, into an add-on. So let's say for example that um, you in your uh, in your calendar, let's say that you add a button 
that wants to go to um, the next Wednesday because you have something that happens. You are Wednesday is an important day in whatever business you have. And so you want to make sure that you have an easy navigation to get me that just navigates by Wednesdays, let's say, right? So you're going to write a, a script. The, the, the JavaScript um, add-on that we wrote exposes those functions to you so you can write those. But what you may want to do is you may want to write those so that when you're calling um, the scripts that we provided for you, you call them by name. Hmm. So you, you use perform script by name. And that means that when you delete the calendar and, and put it back in with the latest version, that, that that script will come back in with the same name and your code will continue to work. So uh, you can do that with scripts and you can do that with fields. Um, you can't do that with, you can do that with layouts. You can't do that with custom functions, really. I suppose you could use evaluate, but that might be challenging. Um, there's a few other things that might not be uh, easy to do yet, but that's the kind of thing you can think about that will help you make more modular code is how can I, how, like if you just ask yourself the question, how can I make it so that somebody could delete this add-on and reinstall it and have the least amount of things that they have to fix, right? Um, and if you ask yourself that question, you'll come up with ways to do it. And so that makes it pretty modular. Um, and then eventually, you know, like I said, we can update the JavaScript. That's not too difficult currently, but eventually Claris will have ways to do this. Well, they'll update add-ons and, and that'll make it, that'll make it, um, that'll make it much easier. But under the hood, that's kind of what we got right now. Yeah. I, I recall, I mean, there wasn't very much direct layout pointing or nope. script pointing yep. at all. And indirection yeah. is, indirection is your friend here. Now that means that you don't longer get the benefits of things like FM perceptions, uh, you, you know, you lose some of the some of the benefits of knowing what things are used because they're not directly referenced. The problem is, is once you it's like, it's like when you go modular, um, there's a lot of benefits to going modular, but one of them is you lose, you lose, um, direct referencing in many cases because you want to be able to like swap out the code that's underneath there. Right. And so you want to maybe, you know, get rid of all the, all the hard links and, and, um, and just use, just use indirection to do it. It's definitely a trade-off and you have to figure out how to balance that. You have to know that once you're doing indirection, now you might have people changing the names of things and that will break stuff. So you have to make sure that you have conventions like we have a convention for the add-ons um, that, uh, that there are, you know, you shouldn't change the names. Um, and especially like, like the events that are coming out of the, out of the JavaScript, we tell you, do not change the names of these scripts or you'll break stuff. Um, and so you have to now think about that a little bit more. It's a trade-off, but I think in the long run, it, it's worth it. Modular code is much more maintainable and adaptable over time than code that is not. And so we definitely want to move in that direction. We could have exposed all of the script names in the configurators so that you could change them. Yeah, but, I suppose. But, <laughs> but I think this is just one place that FileMaker developers are going to have to learn. Just don't touch it, right? Hands off. If we could, you know, um, hide them completely, I think that would be the And I the think best. at some point it probably will. Like you probably yeah. won't see the stuff yeah. that's inside, you know, unless you have some kind of special access key or something. Um, because that, that is, that is what we need. You know, a lot of developers, we have a lot of products that are shipped that are modular where we have these private folders and occasionally we get people who really want to debug and figure out what's going on there. I'm just like, you know, that's just, you just don't need to worry about that. Um, and you know, they'll be like, well, something happened in this script. It's a private script. I think it's, 
you know, um, I, I, but I don't really understand. It's like, it's not, don't worry. That's not for you. You don't need to worry about anything in those private scripts. It's just not something you need to concern yourself with. And for people who are used to being able to, that are used to like owning all of the code in a file, um, that's a hard thing, but you got to learn to embrace it because you really don't want to own all the code in the file. In fact, what you want, it's far better to have trusted sources or you know that these problems have been offloaded to other people or other people on your team that have solved the problem and that you only need to know about the code that you're working on. That's really what you, that's, that's the dream. Reduce the number of things that you have to own, right? Reduce the number of things that you have to own and, and it will be, uh, you'll be able to make, you'll be able to move much, much faster. I think more than just the more power to the problem solvers, these add-ons will help us learn lessons that we can just install something and move on. Right. Yeah. We don't have to own the code. We don't yeah. have to. And know. Let's, you know, you know, I mean, I think that's good. Right. Power to the problem solver, right. Problem solver, understanding how to build a calendar is probably not what most of the problem solvers who are landing on Claris FileMaker for the first time care about. Like they're not, they don't want to know how to make a calendar work. They want to, they just want a calendar, right? So why give them, why ha force them to adopt and be able to uh, maintain all of this code base around a calendar? That's just, that's, that's too much. There's no reason for that. They have no benefit in owning how to, how to calculate the next day in leap years, right? And just, you know, dur during a leap year, which months have 30 days, which none of that is value to them at all. Their value is I have some, I'm, I'm, we're in the event business. I've got some events to manage. I want to show my events on a calendar, right? So we want, we want to make their problem, their event business, not, you know, uh, dealing with leap year logic and skips and all that kind of stuff or how to display things in a month view versus week viewers. None of that is their, is, is what they want to be concerned with. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, I see people all the time fiddling with things for hours and hours in the community asking questions, but this takes away a lot of that. And and it's not that they won't have anything else to do because they can move on to other That's right. problems. Right? And, and it's, not, it's, it's not like they, sh you know, the good, the good news is, is that these are, you can get in there and look right. The, the bad news is like, especially with the, the HTML and the JavaScript stuff that ships here. This is not like you go look at that code. It will make no sense to you. Like it's not the place to learn how to make a JavaScript add-on is to take a look at that code. It will, it's all been minified and it's been, it's been, it's been turned into a big giant string and it's not really readable um, in any way. And so that's going to be a little bit of an issue, but you can start to look at the scripts and you can look at sort of how these things are laid out and you can learn some of these things and that's, that can be useful, but understand what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to use a calendar? Because you're trying to use a calendar that should be done for you. Like that should be, that's what the calendar should do. Are you trying to uh, learn how to make a calendar? Some of that you'll learn there and that's perfectly fine. Um, or are you trying to like, maybe you're trying to expand the calendar. Okay, good. But understand where you're at there. Like if your goal is only, I just want to be able to use a calendar that has day, week and month view, you really can ignore all that stuff. It's not relevant. But if, if you want to filter it to show only your records or if you yeah. want to, you know, like we've talked that about getting available, that's right. Yeah. But it's, I think what happens to a lot of people is they forget 
They forget, am I consuming this code? Am I consuming it? Am I developing it or am I extending it? Understand where you are there and you'll have a lot less uh, frustration with with how things are laid out because I'm just consuming. Like there are lots of things like when I'm building when I'm building these add-ons, we're taking all these libraries in from NPM and stuff. I am not going through these things and figuring out how to use them. I'm, I'm not learning how Moment works. I'm, Moment's job is to handle date formatting. That's all I need to know, right? That's it. How does it work? I need to know how to make it do its thing, but I do not need to know under the hood how it handles all of its stuff. And I don't want to know. I just need to know how to make a state string in a certain format. I will plug though our blog posts if people are interested in learning more about under the hood stuff. We have nine blog posts that are either released or about to be that get into the absolute weeds about all of the important features of these. So, well, I think, but again, it could change, fine. right? If you, if you understand that you are not consuming, that you this is not required to use these add ons. This is required if you want to learn. Or you know how to make them, or if you want to extend them beyond what's available in the configurator, but that's where you need to get under under the hood. Otherwise, you don't need to. I, I know we don't do this, but how does this? How do you better build bill clients when you can get a calendar done in three minutes versus ten hours? <laughs> how do you better I mean, build them? Build build, build, them? build them. Yeah. Like, or how do you? How do you just how? What is the billing process for that? Is it the value that you're giving to them? Do we turn into a value-based system? Wow. That, 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 that's a conversation which I, I think is probably in a direction we probably just can't go. There's so okay. much there, and it's you know value billing versus time billing versus all that stuff. I mean, that's just a that's a massive conversation in and of itself, okay. which I think we should we should skip for now. But I mean, this goes back to what you said. I mean, again, we, we talk about add-ons a lot on this podcast at mm-hmm. the moment, but we should call it the add-on podcast or something. But you mentioned, you know, at the start of a project, you're going to be picking up your add-ons. You're going to install them and put them into the layouts and then move on. You know, you're going to put five Kanban boards throughout your system and move on. You're going to find a date picker that works for you, a progress bar that works for you. That's the value right there. And, you know, Claris is giving us six or so right now that we can just install and move on. So, so. so yeah, if you reframe the question around, like, where's the value creation now? Like what part of the, where's the value creation? So this is happening across the entire industry. Like you have to move, you have to move up from solving basic business problems, like displaying a calendar to adding custom business logic for a, for a given customer to a calendar. Um, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean changing how the calendar works, but things like, like I talked about, like, what if I just want to navigate Wednesdays, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I mean, that's, that's a pretty contrived example, but you can do all kinds of things with the calendar around extending how the event detail looks for, for example, right. Customizing just the event detail screen that pops up for a given customer. That's the value you're adding it. You're adding it there. You're not adding it in the day, week and month view that's done for you. So now you can, you can do more in the in the event detail or more in the other things that go around it or more in how to integrate this whole thing into something that works for, for a customer, the better our tools get, the better our, our, you know, the the better add-ons that are available even for free or within the marketplace, the more heavy lifting. So there's this term I like, it's called undifferentiated heavy lifting. You want to avoid undifferentiated heavy lifting. So what that means is, 
You want to avoid doing things that do not make it that are, do not make your customer or your organization unique. You don't want to spend a lot of time on those things. You want to spend the time on the stuff that makes you different. So you want to do the things that are differentiated heavy lifting. So what part of this can we spend our time on that really adds to our unique business business value, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want to do that. And so that makes the custom the the custom software in, uh, game a lot better because now you're actually making custom software because undifferentiated software isn't custom. A calendar with day, week, and month view is not custom. There's nothing custom about that, right? This, so this it sounds like you're. I, I like this idea. I'm not in any way saying this is a bad thing, but you're really reducing these add-ons to you know a portal, a button bar. We customize it to fit the client's needs, and we move on, right? So, in my mind, add-ons are really on that same level of a portal. Um, it should you know, be. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, that's the goal for the ones that get into the marketplace for sure. But I think I think you could say that. There's, you could have add-ons that are just like, um, like a custom development team could have a set of add-ons that they only use their only for them and their, and, and for their customers and they never go in the marketplace and there may be, they may be like whole, like, like, I don't know, party model setups or whole contact, you know, whole invoicing routines. Like it could be a whole bunch of things and they're building it, maintaining it as add-ons because that's the easiest thing to do. And now when they go in and need to build a system for a customer, they can just assemble, you know, their, their, their four or five, um, core, core pieces say, okay, we need three of these for this one, put them in. And then they get to work on developing the custom code. Right. So the, I think you need to just, uh, keep in mind that an add on in the marketplace is one thing and needs to survive inside of a marketplace, which has economies of scale, competition, all of those things, or we're building this because we're FileMaker developers and we have lots of customers and we can assemble things faster if we have this, this core set. So lots of FileMaker dev shops, dev shops have templates. They would have a, one file that had all their like best practices in it. And so this is like, an, uh, like the next step of that is a set of add-ons that, that they, can, they can pick and choose from depending on what the, depending on, on what the requirements are for that customer. That's a, that's an interesting way to develop. You know, it's, it's going to be the, hopefully it'll be something that people pick up on and start to use, you know, just the, the, the tech lead and maybe installs the add-ons, the person like in charge of the the product projects installs them and says, here's the ones we're going to use. And then they, they move on and let developers, you know, uh, uh, continue to configure them or whatever. So Very neat. Um, so the add-ons are out now, and we have some information about those. Our thoughts about them are deep dives, knowing that you know in a year or two maybe they're going to change. So these blog uh, posts more like be six good. months. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, people can check those out. Um, Todd, what's your uh, favorite add-on? Uh, in the ones that got released? Yeah. Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I think they're all pretty cool. Um, I mean, calendar is something I've been working on for years. So that one's always going to be, but, but, but I actually like the calendar heat map quite a bit. I think that's just so, so simple and, but, but, but so like, it's so pretty and it just works so well. Um, the timeline I think is pretty cool. Um, eh, they're all cool. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to, which of my, which of my dogs is my favorite dog? No answer. No answer. Oh, come on. We all have fa- yeah. No, no. 
My, I guess I would have to say that two things. Number one, anything that you, you know, you can't build in FileMaker without a heck of a lot of work, like the Kanban board or the the heat map. I remember when we were in development, you kept saying, "Jeremy, let's make the default the circles, not the squares, yeah. because the circles you can't build in FileMaker. Right. The squares you can, <laughs> right?" So. Yeah. To me, that's it. But you know, I, I I'm I'm kind of proud of working on the Kanban board and being able to solve that use case, give that power to people. So yep. it's, cool. it's okay to have a little bit of of pride, right? In these, oh, absolutely, yeah, sure. <laughs> Very good. Well, this is this is good. Um, I'm excited to see what the community does with these, and yep. I'm excited to see the explosion of add-ons. I I hear through the different grapevines that people are working on various. Yep. JSON add-ons and JavaScript ones that process data faster than, you know, especially JSON objects and FileMaker than FileMaker can, and so forth. So I'm really excited to see the explosion of add-ons that that come out. Yeah, um, it's be exciting. Are you working on any that's that's just kind of yes, that you well, the one I have to do first is I have to get GoDraw ready for 19, which is a fairly big app. So I got to get that one um, uh, redone. Um, and then I've got several others that are sort of waiting in the wings that we'll get to pretty quickly thereafter. Um, okay. And I'm working on GoSign. And then I just, yep. I, I play around with different ones. Like, I think I've got a progress bar that's, you know, only 50% done or something. But <laughs> when I, whenever I am bored, I, this is what I, I play with is just different different JavaScript libraries that I've worked on in the past that now could be add-ons. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see those and others in the community. All right. Well, uh, let's get to playing with these add-ons. And, all right. Uh, Sounds good. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, Jeremy. And that brings us to the end of another episode of The Context Podcast. Be sure and check out our series of 10 blog posts at geistinteractive.com slash blog for those posts, where I'll get even more detailed and provide lots of screenshots and examples. I can't wait to see what's going on in the community with add-ons. What awesome packages of functionality will be available for all of us to use. I so look forward to it. Well, we're going to keep working on ours. So until next week, remember, the Context Podcast is king.